People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 532. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We have a pretty happy show today. At least Pam and I do. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, don't speak too soon. Well, me and Pam, were like working on the dock and we're like, Disney, 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 happiness, cool features. Okay, but to be fair, mine is like not the best news. But, well, that's true. But it's still it's brighter than... Trump calling himself the chosen one, oh God. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then Laura comes in and is like, Amazon rainforest burning, <laughs> 20% of Earth's oxygen disappearing. Okay, well, I will say in defense of myself, if it were Amazon, the one that provided our two-day shipping, we would have fixed that shit like yesterday. <laughs> so I think it's worth talking about. <laughs> Come on, we're trying to keep things light here. That's not, <laughs> that's not why you have me here. <laughs> <laughs> my area of expertise is everything that is a bummer for us politically economically environmentally <laughs> yeah thanks for taking one for the team because i just get to show up every week and go la 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 la, la. here's what's happening in pop culture everything's uh, fine here's a distraction I, I think you're selling yourself short your your analyses are yeah <laughs> you bring the mood down too it's not just laura Pam, you actually do have some bright news. Um, on a personal level, I, I had a huge win on Thursday night because I won the Hamilton lottery after months and also years of entering. So I was happy as can be. And I finally got to go see the show in San Francisco. Um, we have the And Peggy tour out here, which is the company that actually kicked off the year in Puerto Rico and they performed with Lin-Manuel Miranda when he was out there doing um, the benefit shows that he did with that company. So that was really cool. And I think both of you have seen it. So you know that it's just amazing. But I was not prepared, even though, you know, I'd listened to the Broadway recording many, many times. And it was just so, so good. And I'm so happy that I got to go and see it at such an affordable price. Like $10 is such a steal. And you were front row, right? Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I'm so jealous. Yeah, we were second row center. So they hooked it up. So you have listened to the soundtrack endlessly, presumably. Was there any particular song that still surprised you? Maybe because you envisioned it differently in your head? Or do you now have a new favorite song? Um, I think that, um, f first of all, for all the... Um, the Broadway purist. I'm just gonna say that it's um, it's not a soundtrack. It's the Broadway recording. They're I'm very so, finicky my, about that. So I my apologies. Save you from the, my apologies. Yeah, from the emails. Um, yeah, no, I think that like I still cried in every moment that the soundtrack really like gets me on my feelings. Or sorry that no, I'm doing your own mistake. The Broadway recording gets me on my feelings. But I think that the um performance of Satisfied was just mind blowing because. Yes. They literally rewind. Oh, yeah. And the moment I realized that, because it, it, that's like the um, the worst part about sitting so close. I actually kind of feel like it would be beneficial to sit a, a little bit further back. Like, it's great to see everything so close. But also, the further back you are, the more that you get a feel for everything that's going on. And so I was paying attention to the actress playing Angelica. And then all of a sudden, I looked to the left and I realized that 
all of the choreography was the same as with Helpless, only literally backwards. So they were actually rewinding as she was rewinding in the song. And it was just so cool. Yeah, that's great. I will say it is an experience to see it from above so you can observe the whole turntable and see all of the choreography. It is really brilliant. Um, mm. So yeah, if you get another chance, I-, I think seeing it from a couple of different vantage points would be fun. I haven't seen it up close. So that's my next goal for the next time I see it. We'll see. <laughs> Enter the lottery, man. You never know. Laura, have you seen Hamilton yet? Well, I saw it from far away, but not up close yet. Yeah, yeah. Such a first world problem. I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of having I, that particular problem. Though. Yeah. I will say that I, I understand now why people go so many times. Like, it mm. does kind of seem selfish when it's so hard to get tickets. But I, I get it because there's so much to see and it's so good. And especially if you're not familiar with the Broadway recording, you know, I could see how somebody could go and, and just like the first time they go, they just want to experience the music. And then maybe like the second time they're paying attention to like the main players. And then the third time they're paying attention to the the entire company that's putting on this brilliant performance. But yeah, it was Did amazing. Did you do a double take when you got the push notification that you won? Yeah, I actually, um, I almost missed it because I was working on news and I put my phone on silent so that the push notifications don't distract me on my phone. Wow. And I happened to pick it up for some weird reason with like five minutes left to spare because you have to buy the tickets before a certain time. Oh my gosh. So I almost missed it. Whoa, that would have been mm-hmm. the worst. And then I did do a double take. I was like, oh my God, I need to buy these right now. And <laughs> it all worked out, which yeah, is fine. <laughs> that's great. We're happy for you. We wanted to kick off uh, a new segment this week, a different way of examining the current president and his administration. And we're going to call this, what is the president trying to distract us from? This week, Axios reported that President Trump inquired about the possibility of, I'm not kidding, dropping nuclear bombs into hurricanes before they reach the US. And Trump is, of course, now claiming fake news. But of course, (laughs) the thought that you could bomb an extreme weather event is completely ludicrous. But it just so happens that this particular bit of Trump idiocy coincides with what has been a pretty bad week for our stock market. Have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of related. He has been such an embarrassment at the G7. Yep. Missing the big climate meeting. There's a big photo of everybody at the table and America's seat is empty. It's just so humiliating. But can we just entertain the thought for a second are we sure we could not put a bomb within a hurricane and destroy it is it that crazy of an idea an atomic bomb wouldn't that just spread all of these radioactive particles everywhere though like you would literally just carry them wherever that hurricane but if it destroys the hurricane then you're good right well, yeah, but then, like, look at what happened at Hiroshima. Those people, like, generations of civilians have had health problems. Still getting because cancer. Of that. Or even, like, the <laughs> nuclear plant that got hit with the big Japanese earthquake and tsunami. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've established that this actually can't work. So looking at 
our stock market and how it's been reacting to this past week. Because Trump is stuck between the isolationism ideology that got him elected and our stock market's not faring well with this approach, he's literally playing ping pong with the U.S.-China trade war by announcing tariff hikes one day, only to calm tensions the next by implying everyone might be going back to the drawing board. To- oh, and I'm, I I may have had second thoughts about these tariffs. Right. And then his spokesperson saying, oh, by second thoughts, he means more tariffs. Uh-huh. The tariffs weren't high enough. So it has just been all over the place. It has been wild. Yeah. And to illustrate that, the Dow plunged by more than 600 points on Friday, only to rise almost 300 points on Monday, the day of our recording, amid some optimism that the US and China might work something out. And while that's certainly encouraging, market volatility is becoming a real concern in the Trump era because money talks. And every time this president attempts to undermine established alliances, think NAFTA, or announces tariff hikes on other world powers on Twitter, the market responds negatively. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no denying our market's resiliency. But That market is also trying to tell us that closing ourselves off from the rest of the world by doing things like trying to punish the country that owns most of our debt is not going to work out well for the United States. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's a pretty simple assessment of the last few days of market volatility related to Trump's war with China. It's a highly complex topic that isn't super accessible to most people, so it's easier to react to the president's outlandish claims and wonder why this idiot is still in office. And that would matter if we held presidential rhetoric to any kind of standard, but we don't anymore. Trump is incredibly effective at playing the expectations game. Even his most ardent supporters write off the moronic things he says is just Trump telling it like it is whatever that means. So the media, other politicians, and we the people are actually doing Trump a huge favor by focusing on White House leaks of his latest bullshit, because we've seen that it doesn't matter what he says. So when we should be paying attention to our economy and the impact this president has on it, we keep getting distracted by the latest word salad from the president of dumbfuckistan. And It's understandable we all fall into this trap, but we have to stop acting surprised when the president continues to show us exactly who he is. And when he continues to have convenient verbal diarrhea when there are more complex issues at play that don't look good for him, we really need to peel back the layers of bullshit and pay keen attention to what is actually going on. Because... Obviously, the suggestion of nuking hurricanes is every bit as ridiculous as claiming that the trade deficit with China will be solved by escalating a trade war with them. But only one of those things is something the president is currently acting on, and the other serves as convenient distraction fodder for a country with an extremely short attention span and a 24-hour news cycle that gives this president pass after pass. Wow. Well, this really bothered you, didn't it? Yes. I'm so fucking sick of seeing people talking about nuking hurricanes. Uh, That's not the story right now. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's easier to grasp than these trade talks and the potential recession and every other serious thing that's going on. 
in his yeah, administration. And, and that's totally understandable because, like I said, this isn't a super accessible topic. But I think that's kind of what this administration banks on. Right. Yeah. The bar the bar is so low for Trump, it doesn't matter what he says. And it eats up a news cycle and people make memes and jokes about it and then it's done and then nobody's noticed how the trade war with China has fucked us economically, right? Right. So that's what we want to do here at Millennial. We want to do something every now and then just to peel back some of those layers of bullshit and maybe pique your interest and encourage you to go out and do some of your own research. What do you think? Because we have to. In light of this, what do you think of Hillary Clinton responding to this? She's been a, a. I hated it. Oh, she. For anyone who doesn't know, she just tweeted simply on Monday afternoon: "We should not nuke hurricanes." That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> it's just not relevant. Yeah. Like, and and it's so discouraging to me because Hillary Clinton is such a policy wonk, but I feel like this country showed her that they don't care. Yeah. And so I I feel like she's trying to appeal to that like low-hanging fruit. Right. But the but the low-hanging fruit isn't hurting him. So This tweet got 200,000 likes. The tweet before it about building a house after World War II, that only got 13,000 likes. That's boring. You know what's interesting? Hillary taking dumps on the president. I don't know. I don't know, Laura. That's just the world we live in. People want the simple stuff. <sighs> I know. But it also just speaks to the Trump administration, just how leaky it is, which it's been that way since the beginning. But it's like, you might forget. It wasn't always this way. All this stuff coming out. You know, you know, Trump's just sitting back with a Diet Coke, feet kicked up on the Oval Office desk. And he's just like, hmm, how about an atomic bomb on the hurricanes? Then I can say I saved America from hurricanes. That is very Trump. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> if if you're feeling anxious about the president's lack of support for our country, it's time to do some self-care and focus on getting support for your tatas. Third Love is the company that is making the most comfortable bras out there. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. Pam, you have a Third Love bra, right? I do. And I love the straps on these bras because they have really nice cushy memory foam on them, which, you know, doesn't really sound like it would be that big of a deal. But you know, when your breasts are very heavy, every little bit of comfort helps. Yeah, and they're nice and thick, too. Mm -hmm. The other thing is like, sometimes straps will just dig into your shoulders, but these really don't. They're much comfier. And the fit is great, too. And I want to talk about how they guarantee fit. Their Fit Finder quiz is so easy. All you have to do is answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Over 12 million women have taken that quiz to date. And it's actually fun and super quick to complete. It's also important because breast shape matters when finding a good fit. And Third Love's Fit Finder quiz helps you determine the shape and size of your breasts then they'll use that information to find styles that fit your body. And every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Aww. I personally own five of the 24-7 Perfect Coverage bras and two of the Seamless Lounge bras. Um, 
let me let me add an addendum on that. So after I got my um, trial bra from Third Love when we were starting to do these ads, I put it on and it was like instantaneous. I was like, whoa, this is how bras are supposed to fit. This is awesome. And I literally turned around and got online and just ordered a whole collection of bras. That's how much I believe in these. I truly do wear them every day. Um, they're super comfy. They're must-have staples. They have lightweight, super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape as well. And these are proprietary to Third Love. So this is the only place where you can get them. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of Millennial 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial. That's M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L for 15% off today. Your tits will thank you. Time now for some emails. This first one is from Fabiana. Think that's how we pronounce your name. I have no problem paying off my student debt. I, like you, Laura, accept the responsibility and bottomless pit I have thrown myself into. However, the one improvement that would make it significantly easier to pay off my debt would be in my loan provider, would be if my loan provider would allow me to reduce the monthly payment. I have private loans with Sally May and federal loans with Navient. I submitted a income-based repayment plan with Navient and was able to receive a $0 monthly payment. This, of course, means that my debt with Navient is increasing, but with Sally May already charging me $491 a month, I'll take what I can get and deal with Navient at a later time when I hope, hopefully have a salary increase. I currently make about $1,100 after taxes, take out about $400 to $450 for bills, and I am left with $650 take out 491 for my loan payment and I am left with about $159 for myself until the next paycheck. I'm aware $491 may not be a lot for others with student debt, but for me, it's a significant amount. If I could simply have my monthly payment lowered, it would make things significantly easier, but Sally May, being a private loan provider, has repeatedly assured me that's not an option. Yeah, it always gets so much more tricky when you have private loans. Because at least if you have federal loans, there are more reasonable repayment plans. I mean, my my uh, my monthly student loan bill is three hundred dollars, so it's not nearly as much as what Fabiana is dealing with. But I definitely feel it <laughs> every month. Mm-hmm. It's painful to watch it disappear from my checking account. <laughs> if she got this amount lowered, though, wouldn't she just be paying it off longer? Yeah, but that sort of brings us to the point like kind of where the rub is on this topic which is that you'll end up paying it off longer but it means that at least in in the meantime you can live right like if we look at she makes 1100 after taxes you lose almost half of that to bills and then of the half that's left two-thirds of it go to student loans right it's a difficult situation i do think other people in your situation might think of it differently Fabiana, they might be like, well, yeah, it sucks now, but at least I'll have it paid off sooner. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, like, um, honestly, where she lives, because if I made this much and had to pay that much and it wouldn't it didn't budge, I wouldn't be able to afford to live in California. Yeah. And this is like where all my family is. I'm not just like, you know, obviously, like I'm not opposed to moving, but especially with the job I do, there aren't very many options. So it kind of is really bleak when you look at it that way too. Yeah. And everything's just getting more expensive. So 
Yeah. Well, and also we're just not incentivized to pay it off faster because of the interest. So for me, if they just did away with the interest, I could easily more easily. I mean, it would still suck, but I could have my loans paid off in 15 years. But because of the interest clock that's always ticking, my balance just gets bigger and bigger every month, even though I'm paying $300 a month towards the loans. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't incentivize me to throw extra money at them when I have it because I'm like, well, I'm just throwing more money down the interest hole that I could be using to help myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough situation. It's a it's a very big and serious decision you have to think about. Speaking of tough situations, we heard from Sabrina with a traffic-related confessional after my rant last week on Atlanta traffic. Sabrina says, I was listening to this week's show, not last week's, if this is being read on the air, and the part about road rage is all too real to me. I'm a great driver, but have very little to no patience on the road. Just to list a few of my proudest moments, I've blatantly brake-checked people on multiple occasions. <laughs> I'm a special kind of psycho and have pointed and talked to people behind me while looking directly into my rearview mirror. <laughs> I keep my windows down to yell at people. I keep something... <laughs> to throw in my car just in case they're a huge <laughs> asshole. And I've given the middle finger way too many times to count. My family knows of my road rage problem because they've been in the car with me while it happens. I don't feel guilty, though, because of the people near me driving so horrendously. I'm in the suburbs outside of Philly. So you've got New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania drivers all in one. To those thinking, damn, she's probably an asshole driver. I'm not. I just have no tolerance for assholes. In fact, I'm a medical marijuana patient, and it doesn't help. So it's really not me. It's them. <laughs> P.S. I'm not promoting driving under the influence. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Love you guys. Well, I admire how proud you are of your road rage. <laughs> Blatantly brake checking. That's always a fun one. I assume she means when you're in front of a asshole and you purposely slow down to slow them down. I like doing yes. that. I never feel more powerful than when I get to do that. And you kind of box somebody in. Yeah. I've also done the talking to somebody through my rearview mirror. <laughs> I can only imagine how ridiculous that looks. <laughs> well, okay. So it starts out because the like whatever, if you have somebody behind you who's like got an attitude towards you for whatever reason and you see them talking shit about you because they think you can't see them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, no, bitch, I fucking see you. And I start talking back and they shut the fuck up. But can they see your mouth? Because the rearview mirror is narrow. You know, I don't, I don't know what they can see. <laughs> they but see in angry my experience, eyes. they always stop. So whatever I'm doing is working. Huh. Maybe you're like violently shaking your head. They're like, oh, my God, that person's having Maybe. a seizure. <laughs> That poor person. I better stop trash talking them. It's really all about just understanding that if you're going slow, just move over for highway drive. It's it's really not that hard to be like to not be an asshole on the road. People are just crazy. When you two ever feud, do you ever glance at how much gas you have left in the tank in case they start following you and you really got to like <laughs> get away from them? I think about that a lot. No, I don't think I've ever thought about that. Sometimes. I, sometimes when I'm driving home at night, I get really um, anxious about a car that has been following me for a while. It just mm -hmm. and they're not even following me. It's just probably they're just going to the same place. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But I will like actively circle until I lose them. Yeah, sometimes when I start feuding with somebody, I glance and I'm like, you want to go, bitch? I got uh, 250 miles left. Let's do this. <laughs> I bet I got more left in the tank than you. All right, this next email. <laughs> I just can't. Pam, do you want to read this? Or uh, Andrew, do you feel strongly about it? Well, I feel strongly about it. Pam, you can read it. Okay, this one comes from Jenna, who says, This is an odd email that I need to ask Americans. I am Australian. It has always confused me that you call a chicken sandwich something that looks a lot like a burger. The bread bit has burger buns. What on earth do you call a piece of chicken between two slices of bread? Like cut thin bread. I've honestly always imagined the Chick-fil-A sandwiches you've talked about for years to look similar to ham sandwiches or a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Would love clarification. Thanks for all the great work you do. So it sounds like Jenna went and Googled it so she could get a visual <laughs> and she was disappointed that it didn't have thin bread slices. That makes it sound so gross. Like, I'm just imagining yeah. a, a bland piece of chicken breast in between two sad looking thin yeah. sandwich yeah. bread. Jenna, thank you for listening, but leave us alone. <laughs> we'll call it what we want. <laughs> I will say, though, this is like, I think it, it this has more to do, honestly, with like the marketing of fast food restaurants or like even restaurant yeah. restaurants, because it, it's not like we have dubbed the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich a chicken sandwich. Chick-fil-A is telling us that's what it's called. So that's what right. we call it. Well, it doesn't. But... So first of all, we do have chicken burgers here, not at Chick-fil-A, but other places. And you can, of course, make your own chicken burger. And usually if we if we were to do something like a Chick-fil-A sandwich at home, we would probably call it a chicken burger. But I think to Pam's point about marketing, it's just more pleasant. A burger sounds really aggressive, and that's not what Chick-fil-A is about. And also, to confuse you even more, I think out here in America, if you say you're, you're going to have a chicken sandwich, people usually think it's a chicken salad sandwich. That's mm. something completely different. I don't know that I would call it a chicken burger. And maybe I've just been conditioned by Chick-fil-A. But when I think of a burger, I think meat, like red meat. Yeah, or turkey. Probably because it's 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 going to be something ground up, no matter what it is. And I don't know if chicken's easy to grind up. Well, I guess they do chicken sausages, so maybe that's a moot point. Maybe this is an effort by like the meat industry to keep us all confused. Yeah. So we do have a couple of pleasant stories to talk about today, Disney related. That'll be fun because it's been a big week for Disney. Just want to remind everybody, though, there is a new Landy on Patreon. Patreon.com slash millennial is where you can listen to it. We talk about Variety's podcasting cover story, which really upset the podcasting community because it was very off. It basically credited Conan O'Brien and other celebrities with making podcasts boom, which just is not the case. We also spoke about Trump's latest batshit comments, namely the chosen one. And Laura teased her new hair, which I actually just saw on Instagram, Laura. It looks great. Thank you. I'm pretty much in love with it. I say this every time I get it done, but this is my favorite so far. Landy is like a more relaxed version of Millennial, where Laura and I just kind of shoot the shit for a little while. Pledge today at patreon.com slash millennial. You will get that. You will get early access to each episode of Millennial, and you will also get Mega Millennial and a bunch of other benefits. Thank you for supporting us. And speaking of support, there's a new way 
that you can support the show. You can share Millennial with a friend and tag us in a picture with that friend on social or email the picture in and we'll give you and your friend a shout out on the show. So we're talking like you and your friend sitting there sharing a pair of earbuds, one of you holding your phone showing the Millennial album art, and then the other one using your phone to take a selfie of that moment. Mm -hmm. We would love to see you sharing Millennial with your friends. Yeah. Get the word out there. It's really nice to see people listening to the show. Because like we've said before, this is a very one-way street. So it would be awesome to see that. We would love for your help in spreading the word about the show. And to thank you, we'll uh, share your shit on social. <laughs> All right, time for some news. So like I said, Pam, it's been a pretty big week for Disney. Yeah, it's been a big week for pop culture in general, but definitely the emphasis has been on Disney. And they kind of kick things off by making a splash in terms of their deal with Sony regarding Spider-Man. So as those of you that have been following uh, Spidey's adventures in the Marvel Cinematic Universe know, uh, Spider-Man has hopped on over there for the last few movies, but apparently it looks like he's going to be swinging back over to Sony because Disney and Sony cannot come to a deal that is mutually beneficial with regards to how they want to split the production costs and also the profits. So apparently Disney was actually hoping to strike a 50-50 deal with Sony and the result would have found both studios splitting the finance of future films as well as box office profits. And that probably sounds pretty reasonable if you maybe were not aware of the original deal, but this is why it's not. In 2015 when, you know, the deal was made and and um Sony gave Disney well then Marvel the permission to, you know, introduce Spider-Man into the Avengers, the deal actually looked a lot different, and it actually found Sony promising to fully finance with Marvel serving as creative producer, and then Marvel also got merchandising rights as well as 5% of box office revenue on the first day of release. So in comparison to wanting to go from that to a 50-50 deal, it's kind of understandable why Sony was like, Disney, you crazy, we're not doing that. But now Spider-Man is kind of in limbo. And it's not because they are going to stop making Spider-Man movies, specifically with Tom Holland, who is signed on for two more films. It's really just a matter of trying to figure out how Sony's going to go forward, especially given the fact that they're probably not going to be able to include all of these MCU-related developments that they've introduced to Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker. So it's a whole big mess. They're trying to keep things optimistic. Sony released an optimistic statement. Tom Holland also made a really nice optimistic statement over D23. But this is definitely a story that struck a lot of nerves and for good reason. And it's got the entire fan base talking online. And I know that both of you chimed in. So I wanted to hear what you guys thought when this all went down last week. This is just so frustrating as a fan. Because to me, I'm looking at these companies that make a lot of money. Disney, of course, makes way more money. But it, it just seems like they're they're sort of like mortgaging the future of Spider-Man on their own pettiness for right now. Like, I want to go to Disney and be like, oh my God, you guys have so much money. Just make a better deal. And I want to go to Sony and be like, oh my God, you guys literally didn't have to do any work for any of the other <laughs> Spider-Man movies and you got paid for them. So can you please get over yourselves? Yeah. I think one reason it was so shocking was it feels like we just got Spider-Man in the MCU. Yeah. 
I still remember where I was when the first trailer depicting Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War was released, and it was a huge deal. People had been waiting for so long. And it's been, what, four years? And now he's gone, just like that. I think another shocking part about this was that it, was that, that original deal only lasted four years. You would have thought that would have gone for ten. But then, so like Pam, you mentioned Tom Holland and also Kevin Feige, the Marvel, the Marvel uh, executive who's really credited with bringing Marvel to where it is today. Um, they were both at D23 and they both specifically said, well, everybody, Spider-Man's been in five movies and we treasured that time. And I found it interesting that they mentioned five because they're trying to imply like, isn't that enough? five movies guys shouldn't you be happy with that just let it go <laughs> let us go but it no just, like, because spider-man has work. only two has only had two movies of his own and then he's had these kind of side roles in these other movies so it really only feels like he's been here for two movies and those two movies only came out in the past two years hmm. not only that but the way that they left things in far from home really kind of sets up tom holland's peter parker to keep going on this journey that he started with the Avengers, like not to say that he has to be in future Avengers films, but his entire story arc is incredibly affected by what happened in Infinity War. So how can you just completely erase that? It's like, it's almost impossible to do it. And also it feels like he was set up to be the centerpiece of the next phase of the MCU. And that just raises a lot of questions about like, well, what's going to happen now? And that to me kind of makes me feel like eventually they will have to come to some kind of agreement. I feel like capitalism dictates that this has to happen. Yeah. And I feel like somebody's going to see that even though they're pissed off right now, they're leaving way too much money on the table when it comes to future income. Right. So I'm like crossing my fingers on this one. Right. right. And and to be fair, Sony did just prove that they are capable of making a very great and incredibly compelling Spider-Man film with the Spider-Verse, but maybe they're getting too big for their britches and thinking that they can do it on their own. That's the thing. I think they've gotten a little cocky here. So yeah, it's not fair for Disney to suddenly jump up to 50%, a 50% ask. However, they're riding high on Into the Spider-Verse. They're riding high on these two Spider-Man solo movies. The problem, though, is that those two Tom Holland movies were successful because of Disney and Kevin Feige and being a part of the Avengers family. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I then- just feel like for a studio that came out with the abysmal Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire one, <laughs> don't get too ahead of yourselves. <laughs> My whole question is, like, how does it work? Because obviously it makes sense that, say, if Sony retains full rights... Marvel and Disney aren't going to want, you know, Peter Parker going on about Marvel Cinematic Universe's Tony Stark, right? Because all that happened in the MCU. But then what about other characters that aren't unique to Spider-Man that the MCU has, you know, kind of set up as really important to Peter Parker's life in this current iteration? Like Ned, for example, who's his bestie, does he just disappear no. Because he's technically like a character that was introduced in the MCU. No, I, I think I think 
all those characters will still be there. It just, I, I don't know. It, it's so complex. It, it kind of, I think where I stand with this is it depends on how petty both studios are trying to be. Yeah. Which yeah. really sucks because at the end of the day, the only people that suffer are like the fans. Maybe they'll work it out. We'll see. This could have all been one big publicity stunt to try to force Disney to maybe lower their ask. I've actually been wondering what this means for the Spider-Man movies on Disney+, Plus, Disney's new streaming app. We did also get some news about Disney Plus at D23. One of the big questions I had was if Disney Plus content would be streamable in 4K. And Laura, get ready. Get your 4K TV ready because it is streamable in 4K for no extra cost. But another big news item was that Disney Plus will release episodes of of their original series on a weekly basis. This is big news because Netflix has trained us to binge their new original series the weekends that they get released. And a lot of people thought this might be the future. Now who knows? For Disney to release their original series, and it sounds like all of them are going to be this way, once a week, one new episode a week, that could change the game. Hulu has done this on occasion. Sometimes they release one episode weekly. I know they did that with The Handmaid's Tale. Sometimes they release a couple new episodes a week, which is a little weird to me. Um, But on the other hand, Disney Plus will have this blanket one-a-week policy. As streamers ourselves, do we prefer all at once or weekly? Yes and no is my answer. Yeah, it depends on the show. Mm -hmm. Like, if a show is really hard to get into, unfortunately, um, I think that the current state of entertainment has uh, it made us kind of evolve into a society that really appreciates instant gratification, and Netflix is the king of giving that to us. Um, but it does help with a show that maybe you need to watch a few episodes of to, you know, kind of get hooked into. It's a lot harder to do that when shows are coming out every week unless you're going to wait and binge everything at the end Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of like where i stand with that i can see how it's beneficial but at the same time it is really helpful not to feel like i need to watch an episode right away or i'll fall behind Yeah, like with 13 reasons why i know that's something that i'll need to watch to stay up to date with you know big pop culture events but I literally just watched the first episode last night, but I know that everybody else has already seen it. Yeah, it's kind of like what Pam was saying before in terms of like, it really just does depend on the show. If it's something that has been out for a while and I know I need to catch up on anyway, I prefer to binge, obviously. But if it's something like Game of Thrones or even like Big Little Lies when it's on, I love watching that stuff and then catching up with people the next day, you know, like water cooler talk about what happened last night on fill in the blank here. Exactly. Yeah. So I think life is too chaotic with having to binge TV shows over a weekend. I'm really glad that Disney plus is doing it this way. Now it also benefits them. I think they are thinking that it will keep people subscribed for longer because what happens with HBO and Netflix and maybe Hulu to some extent is that they will people will subscribe, 
binge Stranger Things over the premiere weekend, then cancel again. And Disney Plus doesn't want that. So they're going to release these episodes one a week. But other pros, it makes each episode an event. Like you're saying, Laura, there'll be, you know, there's going to be the water cooler talk the Monday after the latest episode of The Mandalorian, the new Star Wars live action Star Wars series is released. I also think it helps foster a fan community. And one of Hypable's writers, Jay, he's writing an article that's actually going to be published Tuesday about this. You really don't see many fan communities around these Netflix shows that drop all their seasons at once, do you? There's been, there have been communities. I mean, Stranger Things. Right, but like, imagine how much better the Stranger Things fandom would be if you could speculate after one new episode every week. Oh my god. I can't believe that just happened to Will. What's going to happen next? And there's a podcast about it. And there's editorials about it. (laughs) Everybody's anticipating next Sunday's new episode. You don't get any of that. Netflix just takes a giant shit. And we have to claw through all of it as quick as possible. And then it's just all a blur. You don't remember what happened three episodes ago after you've been watching for eight hours straight. I think it's a mess. I mean, don't people get that prediction itch, like satisfied by going between seasons? I feel like with Netflix shows after the season's over and everybody's binged it over the course of a weekend, there's like weeks long talks about what's coming next. So I don't think that element's totally taking it out of it. But I do see your point. I do think the reason that it might feel like that gets slowed down is because Netflix releases everything at once, it takes longer in between productions for series to get released. So for example, it might take something like Stranger Things a year to come back. And then other shows like The OA took two years. And then they still expect like the fan base to be as active. And then when it's not, because everybody has forgotten and doesn't have time to binge the first season of The OA before they dig into season two, they decide that the numbers are not the same and then they like cut things. I, I do think that that kind of really sucks. And because the momentum is not as large, maybe because it takes a little while for the series to get released, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it does kind of stunt shows before they can really grow sometimes. So I guess like the good thing about this too is that we might not have to wait as long between seasons of these new shows. And especially for something like The Mandalorian, which looks like like the production level looks amazing from the trailers, I can see how that could be really beneficial in addition to being, you know, a water cooler moment. To get back to Laura's point about discussing it for weeks after, I think that is actually another problem. Everybody's finishing at different times, not everybody's binging over a single weekend. And then you're like, well, who's finished? Who hasn't? Okay, you've only seen four episodes. You've only seen five episodes. I've seen all the episodes. Aunt Heidi's only seen one episode. How am I supposed to talk about this? It's just also a, a, a mess in terms of how to have a discussion about it. Yeah, the one question everybody asks always is, where are you? And then you go, <laughs> okay, I think I can talk about it to you and hopefully I don't spoil right. anything that's come before or after because it does become a blur like you were saying. Yeah. I would also really love, and none of the streamers are doing this right now unless you count YouTube. YouTubers can premiere a new video online at any time that they want. And then the YouTuber will engage their community. They'll be like, hey, guys. 
have a new episode being released at 8 p.m. tonight. And if you go to li- go to the link, there's a countdown clock and there's a chat room, so everybody's getting excited for the new video. I would love if Disney Plus did this too. Debut new episodes once a week at let's say nine o'clock at night. Then we can all tune in, stream at the same time, talk about it on social media. And they would get, what, 12 weeks of this per show? I think that would be so exciting. I'm also being a little greedy because from a publishing perspective, from a media perspective, it's much easier and more effective for sites like ours to be writing about television shows on a weekly basis. No website knows what to do with Netflix seasons right now. We're like, should we write reviews for every single episode? Should we write analysis of episode three? But when do we release that? It's just all over the place. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of have to set your own pace Mm -hmm. in that regard. Like maybe you get somebody to really just like plow through it super quickly so they're done and then maybe release one analysis a week. Right. That way you're kind of mirroring the idea of series television. Yeah, yeah. But then the problem is we can get no traction on some of these articles weeks after the series has been released. It's it's really weird. Nobody Googles these television shows because they just go from episode to episode. They don't have time to Google. Netflix is already counting down till the next episode starts playing. Whereas with television shows that air on television, people Google these television shows right after they finish airing because they want to hear analysis and stuff. So, anyway, I'm getting into the weeds here. I just want to mention some of the Disney Plus originals that are coming. So, we mentioned The Mandalorian. That's going to be out mid-November, the same day that Disney Plus debuts. Upon launch, High School Musical, the musical, the series, is also going to be premiering. Were you two into High School Musical by chance? No, I think it came a little late for us, didn't it? Um, I completely watched the first movie. Yeah, you're so right, Laura. <laughs> we were too old for it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I I, found, I definitely was still watching DCOMs when that came out. I was still in high school. But I know, okay, like, maybe, Disney Channel. Maybe I'm an asshole right Wait, now. Wait, we were no, in college I know that when Disney high school Channel, used- like, it feels like it's marketed towards a younger audience, but then there's some stuff that, like, really does transcend, so... First of all, High School Musical 3 came out when we were in college. But the first one. I watched the third one first, I think, because that was the one that got released in movie theaters. Oh, and you it was did. so good. So good. No, maybe I was just a little immature still in high school. I was definitely still watching Disney Channel. Try! <laughs> what a great soundtrack. That's my recommendation this week. That's it for 2019, The Mandalorian and the High School Musical series. In 2020, the Star Wars The Clone Wars, a new season of the animated series, the live-action Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's coming out next fall, fall 2020. Sometime in 2020, a Pixar Monsters, Inc. spinoff series, Monsters at Work, will be released, as well as a show called Diary of a Female President that is uh, live-action. That looks like a... Kind of like a sitcom, I think. This one is, uh, I believe, executive produced by Gina Rodriguez of Jane the Virgin fame. FYI for anybody that uh, is a big Gina I love Rodriguez her. fan. Mm. So, and she also recurs, I believe, as the older version of the um, 
of like she okay so what i remember of the show is that it follows a um a girl through middle school and it's her like journey growing up to the point where she becomes the first female president so then gina rodriguez plays female president and she's like reflecting on her life oh okay there you go well if gina rodriguez is in it i will be watching it at d23 so at least another 11 series have been announced including seven more marvel projects oh my goodness they also announced that d23 and obi-wan kenobi series with ewan mcgregor coming back so that'll be cool and also a lizzie mcguire series with hillary duff coming back she's going to be a millennial in brooklyn pam i bet you were a big lizzie mcguire fan yeah i was (laughs) so were you excited yeah, I thought that this was really cool. I feel like um I feel like I've written this story many, many times over the years about the possibility of a Lizzie McGuire revival. And I think that people that have been fans and also have been kind of keeping up, they're kind of like buzz stories, right? Like all of these um stories that pop up here and there of people asking showrunners or or actresses if they'd ever come back to play the role. So I knew that the people involved behind the scenes and also Hilary Duff herself had always been kind of keeping the door open. But at the same time, I never really thought they'd actually do it. But I think that this is a super fun idea. And I think that it's really cool that they seem to be marketing the show towards the people that grew up watching Lizzie McGuire and not just doing a, you know, Raven's Home, Girl Meets World situation where they have original characters that are grown up and then the show focuses on the kids. So I think that's a really cool spin and it's a really fun way to kind of revisit What's happening to somebody that you maybe grew up watching on TV? Who is now a millennial. She grew up with us. Yeah, exactly. I hope it opens up with her listening to Millennial Podcast. Ooh, maybe you should pitch that now. (laughs) And she's like, Look, if Lizzo can pitch herself getting on the Lizzie McGuire revival, why can't Millennial pitch themselves? (laughs) There we go. That could be a good way to promote the show. (laughs) They're also doing a Love, Simon TV series based on the movie, which was based on the book. That I'm really excited about, but they didn't share any details about that. It's kind of shocking, honestly, that Disney is doing a LGBT TV series. But hey, I guess that's where we are. Pretty good stuff. So that is the latest on Disney+. Plus. It's only going to be $6.99 a month. That price is going to go up probably by the end of 2020, I would say. <laughs> the- Whatever. Take my money. Yeah, the offerings are so good. <laughs> I I. We're so excited in the Sims Fin Cutter household. We're counting down the days. Yeah, we actually already divided up streaming services and who's going to pay for what. Um, so I've already agreed to take on Disney Plus. Nice. Yeah. So I'll be waiting. You know, we also learned that Disney Plus will allow four simultaneous streams per account. So we yes. could actually split an account. Me, you, Pam, and Jewel. Ooh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I see you're picking up new ideas from Jewel letting you be on her family plan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm in that family plan state of mind now, looking to save a few bucks here and there. I mean, it would be really easy. All you'd have to do is take a small portion out of Laura's and my checks every month. <laughs> That's, That's true. <laughs> Can we just turn this into a streaming podcast and then... The podcast could pay for our streaming apps. So all we do is talk about Spotify and Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu and Pornhub and anything else that streams. You have if to it pay streams, for Pornhub. I thought that's where people went for free. 
entertainment. Oh, I'm sure there's like a premium account, isn't there? <laughs> An ad-free experience. Unless this is my hometown's claim to fame. So I grew up in Cumming, Georgia, as I think a lot of our listeners know. And it's spelled the way you think it's spelled. It's C-U-M-M-I-N-G. <laughs> Pornhub will give you a free membership if you live in Cumming, Georgia. Oh, my God. I hope you Do signed you up for that. Do you get a free membership because you grew up there? Um, I I don't have a Pornhub membership. <laughs> but could you theoretically? I could. Okay. I well, could. that's good to know um, that they it, it kind of, you know, still applies. I mean... I think I think all I'd have to do is list my parents' address. I don't oh, okay. know how much they would appreciate that because who <laughs> knows what they might send you in the mail. Well, your dad um, probably already claimed your parents' address, so you might have to <laughs> find another house. Well, he listens to the show, Andrew, so he oh. might. Yeah. Hey, Mr. He T. Might, he might have some feedback. <laughs> hey, Mr. T. How you doing? Um, but yeah, they apparently do that for all cities that have sexual names. Like, I'm pretty sure there's an Intercourse, Pennsylvania. That also gets free Pornhub and Finger Tennessee, I think. So, how generous Pornhub is here to save us all. I found the article. They have 50 cities. If you live in any of these cities, you get it for free. Some of these countries are so difficult to pronounce, I, I don't even want to try. But there's a three way Virginia, Big Beaver, Pennsylvania, Balls Creek, <laughs> Nova Scotia. Horny Town, North Carolina. What? That's an awful name for a town. Hey, if any of our listeners are from any of these places, write in and let us know. I want to know, am I the only one who grew up in a city with a perverse name? Are there more of us out if there? If you're a patron, we'll give you a free month. <laughs> Big Bone, Kentucky. Climax, Michigan. Orgy Hooker, Oklahoma. What? Orgy what? Hooker. Wow. Orgy Hooker, Oklahoma. Holy cow. There's like no way that you can even spin that. Like Cumming, Georgia is named after a Civil War general whose last name was Cumming, right? Mm -hmm. How do you spin Orgy Hooker? (laughs) Maybe they pronounce it not how it sounds. Fort Dick, California. That's where I want to (laughs) live. No. I Googled it on Google Maps. One of the points of interest is Fort Dick Bible Church. (laughs) Hey, maybe you should just put that on your pit stop list for your big road trip. (laughs) Yeah, good idea. So fun fact, um, there's a church in the town where I grew up um, called Coming First Methodist Church. (laughs) And for the longest time, for years and years, I shit you not, their website was comingfirst.com. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That's great. I'm just imagining, like, you know, teching up old people being like, I can't remember the website. I'll just Google coming first. Yeah. And then just going, one time I was writing, this is like a little, a bit of an offshoot, but similar situation. One time I was writing about the, you know, the Triple X series with uh, Vin Diesel. They released a a new installment of the franchise. And I was looking up. The trailer and and I stupidly googled XXX trailer. Oh boy! Yeah, and then as soon as I hit send, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so stupid! I can't believe it! I didn't think about what to Google before." And Google was I like, it. "Thank God you have Safe Search on. We're gonna give you the movie <laughs> I did trailer." It. So my ads were very Ooh, interesting for a you, few months. You had it off. I wonder why you had it off. <laughs> So this is a hilarious story. I don't think my brother will care anymore. But when he was like, 
eight, maybe, he was on the computer and he was trying to find like sites online that had games and stuff geared towards him. So I guess, and I, I can see why a child would think this, but like in his head, he's like, oh, I'll go to boys.com. They might have stuff oh, for me. Oh my gosh. Uh, they had stuff, but I don't know if it was the stuff he was looking for. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, that's happened to all of us in our life in our lives, yeah. hasn't it? Uh totally. There was one time when I was a child where I was Googling Barbie dolls and somehow I ended up on a bestiality website. <laughs> it was real weird. <laughs> so in these stressful times we live in, it's good to cut loose a little bit like we just did with our discussion, but you also want to make sure that you're taking time to recharge and focus on your self-care. Our next sponsor can help with this. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box that provides full-size premium beauty and wellness products. And we're big fans here at Millennial. We've been getting FabFitFun boxes for the last year, and it's always such a nice surprise to see one of these waiting for you. Right, guys? Yes. Yes, it absolutely is. Are there any products you've gotten over the last year that really stick out? I really like the Invisible hair ties. They kind of look like those old telephone cords. It seems kind of like a weird thing to use to put your hair up in, but... Um, They work really, really well, and I like it because I can toss my hair up in a bun and then take it down in a few hours and it doesn't leave, you know, that little kink line that a normal elastic hairband Mm -hmm. would. And I feel like they're a lot more durable than the normal elastics. I also share this stuff with my mom and sister, and they get so excited. They love this stuff. Yeah, I share mine with my mom as well. Um, and she's always asking me if I've gotten a new box recently so that she, oh, yeah. she can try and pilfer things from me. <laughs> yeah. My mom's like, can you start sending these to me? I'm like, um, well, I get first dibs, but you can have the rest. Of right. It. Exactly. Like I get to go through it first. OK, mom. Yeah. Well, the good news is the fun doesn't stop here. As Andrew mentioned, the 2019 fall box is on sale now. So while you're getting ready to transition to pumpkin spice lattes and cozy sweaters, now is the perfect time to sign up. You'll even get access to the FabFitFun community forum and FabFitFun TV with your membership. All of that, plus the total retail value of the items in the box is always over $200, but the box retails for $49.99. This is something that is always shocking to me. I've definitely gotten items in these boxes that on their own individually were worth more than the entire cost of the box itself. Oh, yeah. So it's really high quality stuff. Like I've gotten Kula in these boxes. I've gotten Tarte makeup, like very high end fancy, almost like hotel-esque lotions that come in here. So you really can't go wrong. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value over $200. Use coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's FabFitFun.com and enter coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box. FabFitFun is a great way to treat yourself and support millennials. So don't wait. These boxes always sell out. Get yours today at FabFitFun.com by entering code M-I-L-L. It's honestly shocking that these are only $49.99. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, I just did a double take, even though you've said that before. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> the value here is ridiculously good. 
Yeah, especially since it's full-size products. It's not like sample sizes or anything like that. And you two know, you go into these stores and you're like, one item is $49.99. Exactly. All right. Well, moving on to a final piece of news for today's episode. We don't have to linger on this too long, but it felt like something we needed to acknowledge. Kudos to Jared for emailing in and bringing our attention to this because the Amazon rainforest has been burning for three weeks and it's just now gaining mainstream media coverage. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, it's really frustrating because I know on the show we like to be up on environmental issues, but really up until this past week, this wasn't getting any coverage. And we're talking about like hundreds and thousands of acres that are on fire. Mm -hmm. And it's worth pointing out. I mean, everyone's been pointing it out, which is a good thing. But the Amazon rainforest accounts for 20% of the Earth's oxygen, which is why it's known as the Earth's lungs. So the Earth's lungs are literally on fire <laughs> right now. And what's really disturbing here is that a lot of these fires were set intentionally to clear land for cattle and livestock raising. So there's an element to this story that has to do with meat consumption and how mm. due to the demand the rainforest is being like purposely destroyed the other part of mm. this is that there are indigenous populations that make their home here and they're being displaced that is surprising i guess just because of the growing population of the world there's more demand for meat because if you look at america it seems like the meat alternatives are what's on the rise right now they definitely are, but they're still like as a country and I'm not I'm not one to judge people who eat meat, right? Like I think it's I always get really frustrated when I come across others who don't eat meat who are super judgy about it because I don't think that's how you change minds. Um, but even still as a country, we eat way too much meat. Meat is the center piece of like every meal for a lot of people. When really it's something that is more sustainable and healthier for you if you limit it to two to three times a week. Yeah. Um, I will say, weren't original reports indicating that this was because of climate change that the Amazon was burning? So it was reassuring to see that it was people burning it in a weird way instead of it just naturally burning like these forest fires here in America, specifically in California? I mean, I will say, yes, a lot of this was man-made fire. But another part of this discussion is climate change because the rainforest has been seeing declining rainfall in mm. recent history. So as a matter of fact, with um, with the Amazon rainforest, it just rained for the first time in like three weeks and help so to put out some easily. of the fires. So yeah, the fact that they're not getting the rainfall they need is part of what allowed the fires to spread. And what's so interesting about this, of course, Brazil has a lot of attention on it because a lot of the Amazon rainforest resides within its borders. But the Amazon rainforest is vast and actually spans several countries. So there are a lot of calls for Brazil to respond to this, which... Um, I think is a little misleading because there are other countries whose borders contain portions of this forest. But even outside of that, 
for something that provides so much for the rest of the planet, I feel like we need a global response here. This isn't Mm -hmm. just impacting South America. This is impacting everyone all over the world. And governments need to not be pointing fingers at one or two countries and saying they need to deal with it. This needs to be priority number one, because if we lose the Amazon, we are fucked. Yeah. And the sad part is, is I feel like they've been, we've been knowing that. Like, I remember learning that in grade school. Yep. When we studied, you know, um, different typographies like the tundra and then also obviously the amazon like they've been saying that since we were growing up and we still can't get our shit together and it's really sad yeah and when you think about the fact that something like 10 percent of all biological life is in the amazon rainforest and there are so many species that live there that haven't even been discovered yet this is also a huge scientific loss as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know people always say that, like, you don't even know how many cures for diseases that are running rampant now exist in the Amazon. Like, we don't know because we haven't been able to um, harvest everything or discover everything. Jewel put a really interesting question here in the doc, I think. Um, is poultry just as bad as cattle and whatnot? Um, I don't think it's as bad in terms of the effect on the planet's climate and on the climate change issue. But certainly the treatment of poultry is, I would say, equal to our treatment of cattle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody's read anything else about that, but I'd be interested to know sort of what the impact of poultry is on climate change because... It's certainly healthier for you. Oftentimes, it's recommended that you consume more chicken than you would red meat. Um, And we know that cow farts are literally worse for the environment than CO2 emissions from your car. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody anybody has a better answer to that question, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, because I know that we hear a lot about, like you said, cows and also um, the uh, pork industry, too. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. Not too much about chicken. I know that for a while people were pushing fish, but now with, you know, the growing population and, and overfishing being a problem, people are trying to, you know, promote taking a step back from that as well. So I don't know. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on this story in the coming weeks. Changing gears, we have a, another recommendation request. This was from Justin, the top five TV shows that have finished airing and are worth a good binge watch all the way through. So I thought we could each recommend a couple. Mine won't be too big of a surprise, but these two shows, they just make me happy and are very bingeable. First of all, Breaking Bad, and I recommend this for another reason. On Saturday, we learned that the Breaking Bad movie is official. It's already been shot. It's titled El Camino, named after the car that Jesse peeled out of the compound with during the Breaking Bad series finale. And uh, the trailer is out, and it's pretty good. And the movie will be released on Netflix on October 11th. I am so excited. Me too. Did you, did you two see the trailer? 
No, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to watch it after we finish this. Yes, but I love Breaking do. Bad. I feel like Breaking Bad is one of those TV shows. It's pretty rare for a show to be perfect from start to finish. It's perfect. And this was one of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other show I would recommend is Downton Abbey. It's surprisingly a good show. You would not really expect this. <laughs> it's six seasons. And the reason that I recommend this is that the movie is going to be released in mid-September theatrically. And I know I'm really excited. Pat and I have been watching it. Um, it's my f- second time watching, but it's going to be my, my first time watching the first season. Or sorry, the final season, because I think I just kind of got bored with Downton Abbey. I'm embarrassed to say, but now I'm super into it and I can't wait to watch that final season and the movie. Um, and Pat's really enjoying it, too. It's surprisingly funny, thanks largely to cast members like Maggie Smith. And there's also a lot of drama. So I would definitely recommend it. It is on Amazon Prime and Breaking Bad is on Netflix, which is why the movie is going to be there too. If you want an escape from our current political climate, uh, I would recommend The West Wing. It is representative of a much more idealistic time in American politics. Um, It's also the thing that got me into politics. So I had been watching The West Wing since I was a child all the way up through the final season that aired when I was like a senior in high school. Um, And this is just one of my favorite go-to shows. If I ever feel like I want to watch something that's familiar and comforting, this is the show that I put on. It's also just really well written. The dialogue is superb. Aaron Sorkin is a master when it comes to that. Um, The other one that I would recommend is one that just ended, Jane the Virgin. I loved this show so much. Um, if you've ever watched a telenovela, this is such a treat because it is like a telenovela within a telenovela, but they're also very loving with the telenovela traditions. Um, so while they definitely do poke fun at some things, it's all done with love and the characters are so well written. It centers on three very strong female characters. So there's a generational aspect to this as well. That's really nice. And um, it's just a joy. It's like my happy place show. Well, going off of Jane the Virgin, I wanted to recommend Ugly Betty, which is also based off of a telenovela. Um, I just rewatched this earlier this year from start to finish, and it still holds up. It's so good and so funny and so heartwarming and a little bit um, just outlandishly crazy at times because, again, that that is a really big uh, pillar of telenovelas they're kind of a little bit crazy at some points but it just works so well and I forgot how much I really liked the way that they left all the characters at the end too there's nothing quite like finishing a show and just feeling at peace with where everybody is so I really appreciated that and I can't recommend it enough and then uh, my other pick is is probably a little bit lesser known Uh, so I wanted to recommend my mad fat diary which is very short I believe less than maybe 20 episodes total. They did three very short seasons. This is a show from the UK that originally aired on E4. And I feel like the UK just does, um, you know, dramatic coming of age teen shows really, really well because they're not afraid to push the envelope, kind of like the way Euphoria is doing for America right now. It's also probably the... Best show I've ever seen that that tackles uh, not only mental health, but also uh, body dysmorphia and eating disorders. 
Um, I cannot recommend this show enough. It's so good. And also just kind of leaves you feeling very satisfied with how they leave the characters, which is always, again, very nice. And you can stream it on Hulu. Okay. Yeah, I have to plus one Ugly Betty. I love that one as well. All right, time now for general recommendations. I would like to recommend the Rocket Man soundtrack. So this is for the Rocket Man movie, a biopic of Elton John's life. The movie, if you haven't seen it, you really need to. It is rentable on iTunes and whatnot starting today. The reason I'm recommending the soundtrack is it's just such a fresh take on Elton John's music. I honestly like I love Elton John. But I really don't love listening to his studio stuff for some reason. His live performances are better. And the Rocketman soundtrack with Taron Egerton is just a whole lot of fun. And I love Taron's vocals. He sings everything himself. It's just a really great album. I've been listening to it a lot. So please check out, even if you don't see the movie, listen to the soundtrack. You're going to have a good time with it. And clips from the movie are actually included because it is kind of a musical the movie but not really would you describe it as a musical pam yeah i feel like it's um i went in expecting bohemian rhapsody but it was actually closer to across the universe Mm, yeah totally that's a great way to put it i want to recommend actually the tea that i've been drinking throughout this episode um, it's from Adagio Teas. It's A-D-A-G-I-O.com. Um, but the tea that I am drinking is the Aaron Burr blend. It is really good, but I'm also very tickled by their description on their website. It says, talk less, sip more. Don't let them know what teas you like and how you pour. This tea has sweet flavor of cream and wait for it, blood orange. Yeah. <laughs> it's also just really good. Really, really good tea. That sounds delightful. Our social media manager, Jules, says it's pronounced Edgerton, not Egerton. I'm sorry. Edgerton. And if that's wrong, blame Jewel. <laughs> I think she's right, actually. And see, Feel free to correct me. Don't let me make a fool of myself. And this also just goes to show how great it is to have Jewel on board, because not only are we getting social media help, but we're getting like someone who can produce from behind the scenes yes that is helpful (laughs) mine is spot hero which is an app that you can get in the itunes store the android store i downloaded this so that i could find a parking spot for hamilton when i went this past friday uh lots in san francisco are very expensive and the orpheum theater where hamilton is playing is not they don't have a parking structure so i used this instead and it was really great because i just you know, put in the event I wanted to go for and they opened a map of the city and I was able to pick from a variety of different price points for uh, parking and uh, also a variety of different distances for, um, you know, where the parking was versus where the theater is. So yeah, it was really, really helpful. And I could just pay through Apple Pay. So I didn't even have to take out my credit card to do it, which is always a win for me. I always see the signs for this, but I've never actually tried it. So that's good to know that you liked it. It was super helpful. I was actually worried that they were going to tack on some booking fees or something. But if they do, it's already integrated into the price. I felt like the price was really reasonable for the city. If you have any feedback about today's episode, just write to us, millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. And don't forget about the confessional 
form that is also there. I have slotted in a confessional episode in our brand new schedule, ladies. I don't know if you saw the spreadsheet, but I created it this morning. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have... Not. We're going to have a, what's this doc? Hypable policy violation. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Anyway, over in the millennial folder, it's a lot more pleasant looking. There it is, the (laughs) millennial planning spreadsheet. And we will have an episode featuring confessionals in the weeks ahead. More details to come there. Follow us on social media, Millennial Show, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That helps you stay up to date on the show. We also post some behind-the-scenes looks there. And of course, the thing that keeps this all going, Patreon. Pledge today at patreon.com slash millennial, and you will get instant access to tons of benefits, including early access to our podcast via our live streams. You will also get to check out our planning docs. You'll get Mega Millennial, which is ad-free millennial with After Dark, and you also get access to Hashing It Out. It was another mini episode Hashing It Out today. Laura and Pam got talking about student loans and the situations that people get put in. Um, To be honest, I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to work out my recording setup, but you two were saying something about student loans, and it sounded good. Yeah. Well, that's good. Also, I mean, (laughs) do you have student loans still, Andrew? No, because I had very little to begin with. Yeah, so it wasn't relevant to you. Yeah, I was like, yeah. ah, I don't care. Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I mentioned previously, I went to Fullerton College, was which was a California community college. So that was cheap. And then I was able to transfer in as an in-state resident to Cal State Fullerton. So that made that cheap. And then I dropped out. So then I had no more expenses. So that's how I paid off my student loans already. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. It helps us hire people to get jobs done, like graphic artists, like social media managers, like slash producers. And it helps us make the show a priority in our lives. So thank you. And what is coming up in After Dark today? We're going to be doing part two of our Ask Millennial segment from last week. So you're going to get to hear things like, what was our fuck this, I'm out moment? The last thing that we Googled, which could be embarrassing. And what happens regularly today that would horrify someone from 100 years ago? So questions like that, you're going to be getting our answers to over in After Dark. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take me to the pilot, I am not a stranger Take me to the pilot, lead me through the train